2: Racing at Indianapolis. So much history here at the Brickyard. Alexander Rossi ends a three-year drought and is an IndyCar race winner again. Great job, boys. Great job. A.J. Allmendinger in the Xfinity Series. What a run he has had. He'll cross the yard of bricks. Allmendinger wins at Indy again. Yeah, let's go!
1: Boys, great work now it's time to cap off the triple header with a nascar cup series here at the world's greatest race course
2: oh, oh man oh, big big hit Huge here for ty for dillon 42 you okay yeah i think so now the race to turn one a lot of contact around goes two cars three cars now around Harry the, oh. the 43 goes around two x austin dillon in the three flag back in the air your oh. middle, on your right. right. Ryan Blaney sideways in front of the field and around goes the one he's able to
3: get by the end. Is he legal? Is he supposed to be there or not?
2: Redick fights back. He's going to try to take the outside line. Redick grabs the lead as he comes back out on the front stretch. One more time around. What a race he has put together. Tyler Reddick looking for his second Cup Series win. It's going to come in Indianapolis.
4: This is one really special place to race and really excited to kiss the bricks here in a little bit and really excited that we got 3Chi their win uh, in their hometown. Hi everyone and welcome to
1: NASCAR America Motor Mouse along with the Mayor Jeff Burton, Dustin Long, Marty Snyder here hanging out with you this afternoon coming up on the show today. The guy you just saw on television right there. Tyler Reddick, winner in Indianapolis. He will join us here shortly off of a career best finish. Harrison Burton will join us as well. Proud Papa gets to interview his son. And our buddy Dale Jarrett will be here as well. And, of course, we want to hear from you guys also. 844 NASCAR NBC. I think there's just a couple of things to talk about, guys. (laughs) Uh, With all those highlights, I would say there's a lot of things to talk about. Uh, But I want to start with Tyler Reddick. What an impressive performance, Jeff. Jeff. And, and yes, it, you know, they, they were dominant throughout the race, but how does a driver stay that unflappable through that many restarts and pull off a win?
3: Well, being on the front road, number one, that helps a great <laughs> deal, great, get great launches and get away. Uh, you know, we've seen, on, we've seen at places, road courses, Sonoma especially, mm-hmm. you know, when you get something that narrows down into a very tight corner, you're gonna have problems. It's so important to start on the front road. You start on the front road, you try to keep the chaos behind you, second row on back. I mean, you can get wrecked from anywhere, yeah. but certainly being able to control it from the front row is an advantage.
5: Well, and there was also, remember, there was a restart with a couple restarts before the end of the race where he was restarted eight. And he made a really nice move to get to the middle and get to the inside and get in position into turn one and gain several spots. And, and that was kind of one he needed to catch up with, uh, what was it, Bell and maybe Blaney um, and, and, and really kind of mark them and he did a really good job of that. And and just was really solid. And again, he, he had the best car and he knew how to handle it. It was one thing I asked him in the press conference afterwards, how do you, how do you handle something like that? And, he, and one of the things I thought was really interesting from his perspective is like, look, you know what you've got, you don't push it and extend yourself. Like on pit road, you don't go 105%, you go 90, 95%. You take care of the car, you don't make the mistakes. And that's what he did and was in the right position and, and able to take advantage of it. Who so are
3: you interviewing? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know that he does 90%. Anything, does he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he Are you
3: sure you had the that's right what guy? He said, that's what
1: he said. We can ask him. Hey, <laughs> uh, a- a- Dustin, the announcement of Tyler moving to 2311, obviously, a couple of weeks ago in in 2024, there were. And are still some hurt feelings yes. at RCR headquarters. Yeah, yeah. So does this maybe, you know, help them put all of that behind them and maybe melt the ice a little bit of what's going on at RCR?
5: I think melt the ice is a really great way to describe that, Marty, because I think still the there are still the hurt feelings and trying to work through those things. And again, Richard's very a proud individual, and I think it's going to take time for him. And it may take time for some of the individuals within the organization and the team with how this announcement came about. So I, I think it's going to take time, but as Tyler said, after the race, winning helps on things like that. Hey, look,
3: look, they have to be in this together. I mean, you know what I mean? I know Richard has his feelings hurt, and I know it's a difficult conversation for Tyler. It's, I know Tyler's doing what he wants to do, but that doesn't mean it's not an awkward conversation and a difficult conversation for him as well. But they both need each other, and they've got a lot of time to spend with each other, and they've they got to find a way to make it work. And I said it on the, on the broadcast on, during the race yesterday, is that it's in Richard Childress' best interest for that eight car to run up front and to win races and contemporary championships because that's the best way you recruit. You recruit sponsors, you recruit crew members, you recruit the next driver. You, if that car is out front versus running twenty, if you're running twenty, you are recruiting a different group of people. You need that car up front. Richard Childress needs to take advantage of the skills that Tyler Reddick has, and Tyler needs to take advantage of the skills that RCR has mm. and just move forward. It's going to be difficult to do. And when it, when it gets hard, Marty, is in those low moments. Tire. You blow a tire. You break an engine. You, the driver messes up. That's when you, it's really going to get difficult. If you can't get along on a win, it's going to be really difficult and, when it gets tough. And that's when they're really going to have to look each other and look at themselves in the mirror and say, "Hey, this is not only good for the people around me; it's also good for me." Well, the fact
1: they had not talked since since Tyler walked out of his office from telling him about the twenty three eleven situation until Victory Lane tells you a lot, doesn't it? But. You know, winning kind of cures
3: everything in the racing world, Jeff. Yeah, it does. And and I, you know, the fact that they were on victory lane, the fact they were kissing it's the together. bricks.
5: <laughs> I mean, look, if if they would have been like three people apart and not staying, you know, be shoulder to shoulder, then they would be like, okay, there's there's this this is maybe something that can't be resolved or is going to take a lot longer. But that they're together, side by side, they're in this together. Uh, they recognize the situation. I think that was very important.
3: Yeah, and and they both appreciate winning. At the brickyard, They both have of a course, huge appreciation yep. for that. So together they accomplished an amazing goal, and, and they both recognize that. Richard still took a shot in his interview with Parker Kligerman. I after did. the race saying, hey, when Kevin Harvick
1: <laughs> and I did this, we did it together, and then he kind of ended everything. Uh, Jeff, I, I will say it helps to have a fast car. I'll add in front row restart since you mentioned that. It helps to have that. But it was really the key moment of the race when Randall Burnett realized Wait a minute, what they're doing on the 12 car, what Ryan Blaney and Jonathan Hassler have done, that's the winning strategy. I need to
3: jump over to their strategy. Was that a bigger key maybe than people thought? Well, track position is huge, and and giving yourself the opportunity to get track position and keep it or to not lose it, to change the game midstream, all that matters. And the recognition of, hey, we came into this into this race with maybe not a winning strategy. We have to we have to convert and change into a winning strategy. Yes, that was huge. And it, it, you know, Marty, we talked about it before the race. You never know what kind of race you're gonna get. And I know we focus a lot on the restarts and all the wrecks and all those things that happen. But at the end of the day, the way you win races is you lead latch, you put yourself in front. And if you're in the front late in the race, you have the best chance, obviously. And especially in an event like this. So, yeah, that was a great call, Burnett, and by him and, and uh, but but listen, Tyler Reddick is he's making everyone around him better. That's, a good good point. That's just he's making everyone better. The one thing
5: I liked about that is is Tyler Reddick could come in and pit on lap 13 just before the end of the first stage. So they were going to try to do, as Marty you talked about during the broadcast, the two two stop strategy. But when, you know, they decided they had to feel like they make the change with Ryan Blaney coming, you know, staying out until lap 33, they marked him. Well, what that did is, Ryan Blaney, when he pitted, he had to fill up fuel for that full 33 laps, so that took longer. Tyler Reddick had to only fill up fuel for 20 laps. That saved him two and a half seconds. You know, Jeff, look, if, I, if I'm a crew chief and I can give you the driver two and a half seconds on another competitor, You're gonna you're gonna take that and and run to the bank with that. And and that was a key thing. And they then later on did the same thing with Christopher Bell, when Bell was one of their key competitors and they pitted on lap fifty-one, is having that not having to be on pit road as long and and taking less fuel and giving them the the the, the seconds advantage.
3: The thing the thing that confused me is why everybody wasn't on that strategy anyway. Well I think what they practiced on on Saturday, like there was no tire fall off. And so I, that's the one of the conversations we had on Sunday morning was like, you got to approach this race like it's an F one race. It's about it's about fuel and the least amount of time on pit road, and and that's what it looked like me. And and I don't, I know it was hotter on on Sunday, but hotter just means slower. It doesn't mean more tall tire fall off. It just means you're going slower. And so I was very confused why everybody in the whole field didn't just say. Okay, here's the evidence from Saturday and just jump on that strategy from minute one.
1: Well, and the math would tell you from what everybody had on the calculations that on Saturday you could have short pitted stage one and then run into stage three and still done it on two stops. But then everybody started realizing... Oh, no, we're burning way more fuel than we thought because there is really no fall off. They yep. think they built a little bit in, so everybody was kind of three laps short from making it work on the strategy the 8 was originally on. So, Tyler Reddick calling in just moments, moment, but uh, for now, let's grab a couple phone calls at 844-NASCAR-NBC. We'll start with Colton in Texas. Colton, how you doing?
6: Uh, awesome, guys. How, you do? how y'all doing today?
1: We're good. What's on your mind?
6: uh well i saw the facebook post about you know the incident with ross chastain on the last on the last restart and i you know i had a had a lot to say to my family about it but you know i guess you guys will do just as good too
1: (laughs) yeah so your thought Uh, on that you thought the penalty came too late maybe
6: yeah i think nascar just waited way too late to get that penalty assessed i mean you know it came at the end of the race they were still racing back to the white flag I mean, you know, and nothing against Ross. I love Ross as a driver, and I love watching him compete every week. It's just, you know, something could have happened to prevent, you know, him and Reddick, you know, not making it back to the checker flag, you know. And I feel like NASCAR just kind of dropped the ball on, you know, assessing the penalty. I mean, I agree there should have been a penalty for him cutting the course. But at the same time, I kind of feel like NASCAR waited too long to assess it.
3: I, I see your point. I, under, I, I do. It put, it put uh, Tyler in a very awkward position. Like, what do I do here? Do I overdrive, wreck myself, wreck racing with a yeah. guy that wasn't even in the, in the race? Denny Hamlin last year, you know, with, with Chase, Chase Briscoe, that yeah, whole yeah. thing. I, here's, here's, here's my defense. Here's the other side of that. It's a penalty NASCAR can't take back, meaning you can't make the call and then say, oh, wait, we reviewed evidence and we were wrong. So I'd rather them wait a while and make sure they got it right. And so I think the only way to do that is to go back and watch a replay of exactly what happened. How did he get there? Why did he get there? Yeah. Did he get there? Was was the intent, you know, was he really missing a wreck or was he just using this as an advantage? And that's not a split-second decision. The only way to make that decision is to go back and watch a replay. The other thing I'll say real quick, Jeff, I think – I'll speak
1: for you and for I and for everyone on the TV broadcast. I think NASCAR was probably in the same boat. Like, wait a minute, where did Chastain come from? I mean, we we were like, what in the world just happened?
3: Where, where did the one come from? I didn't know where the hell he came from. I, I, was, I was looked like, up. I'm like, why is he somebody? racing Chastain? <laughs> <And> why is <laughs> Why is Ross Chastain racing him for the win? No, I, did,
1: I was like, so I'm sure NASCAR was. It took them like at least Dustin 10, 15 seconds to go. Wait, what? What is going on here?
5: Let, let me put this way. I can appreciate what Jeff says about the need to be really vigilant on calling that type of penalty because of the situation, because of the magnitude. I understand that. But I'm also going to say that officials in every other sport have to make split-second decisions. And whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's the NBA championship, uh, you know, or some other major event, and it's got to be like that. And you know what? That's part of the game of being right or wrong. And I think the, my concern in this situation is that you had them racing for so long. Tyler didn't know if he's racing Ross. Does he need to let him go? Does he need to race him? He's got Austin Sindrick coming up on him. Now, if he races Ross, does this allow Sindrick to come up and take him? What if What if there's contact like last year, and now Tyler Reddick is gets knocked out? and Now, who wins? Is it Is it Is it Ross Chastain, or is it the third place guy like you saw last year with Almondinger winning? It? So I think. I, I, like I said, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very fine point, and I understand the challenge that NASCAR is in, but that's the reason they are NASCAR. That's the reason they are the officials. That's why I'm not in the booth. That's why they are in the booth. And so that, that's my only concern is that the length, and it's like, look, you're an official, you're paid to co- make the call, do the job.
3: Now you love, I, you know I love to argue. <laughs> <laughs> what? Bring it. So that's why there's a challenge flag. For mistakes. Coaches can challenge a play. Coaches, coaches can challenge not, a call in the, with a timeout. Sure. Timeout, challenge, they watch it while there's no action.
0: NASCAR does not have that yeah, ability to do that, that
3: with two laps to go. So, so I would rather them, in a perfect world, you're right. Not, they yeah. should be able to make that call like that. Unfortunately, to give, I think you should give the driver the benefit of the doubt why you have to ask why is he there rather than just assuming he was there for the wrong reason uh, so to do that you have to you have to go back and watch a replay and and i think all of this is is going to be talked about for a while you know oh, yeah. was ross calculated
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. and what he did you know what he could have been so and, and the phone lines are jammed everybody wants to talk about this situation but let's bring in our buddy del jarrett the hall of famer who was with us pre and post race and got to watch it all go down and we chatted about it afterwards dj good to see you buddy uh, what's your take on this Ross Chastain move? And uh, you know he kind of acted like with Dave Burns after the race, like, what, what, what penalty? I didn't. cut. What are you talking about? You know, like he had no idea what Dave was talking. Or or he had no idea what he was asking him. Okay, so I'll first
7: say that when Ross decides to quit driving, I think he can go into acting because that was excellent. <laughs> he, he convinced yeah. a lot of people and, and me partly uh, along the way there. But and and I'm going to take the side of Jeff Burton. And Dustin Long here because oh, I think it, 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 this is crazy because you're both right. That you there's you you make great points there. And with what happened, um, my concern was was that were we going to have the same scenario that we had last year? I didn't know as I was watching. I had no idea. I saw a car try to avoid getting in the middle of all that. I had no idea it was Ross until the next thing I know, he is passing Tyler Reddick for the lead here. And I'm thinking, where did he come from? And then we quickly got on it. But my concern was, if he was going to be penalized, were we going to have another scenario uh, as we had last year where Denny was the leader and and was taken out there? So that, that was my concern. Tyler Reddick had done such a great job of getting himself in position. Every restart was almost perfect on his part. He got himself separated from all the chaos that was going on behind him. Uh, But, you know, I I just wondered through all of this and seeing what Ross did there. I I could make a point that when he saw that if he continued on the path he was on, he was going to be at least four wide and out in the grass. And then there's nothing to do from there. And so I, I could make a point that he saw that he decided to Go a different route, but but the way that he went through there so quickly, I don't think NASCAR anticipated this, and so I don't know that they uh, thought that someone might even try that to have just a wide open go down, make a right hander, and then the left back onto the track and and join in wherever. So it it was it kind of went along with the day, Jeff. I mean, I I was made I had not seen the first fifteen laps of any race have so much I mean Daytona and Talladega races are crazy but they didn't even come close to holding a candle to this
3: it really didn't DJ and I think one thing we can all agree on is that that runoff area has to get redesigned like that thing has got to be like 10 seconds slower it has to be (laughs) a penalty to go 10 Uh, seconds quicker yeah it's like a self-assessing penalty that it's slower Uh, we saw it during the race Uh, multiple times I watched uh, pretty sure it was Kyle Larson he was a lap down and I just happened to look, and I saw a car shoot out and on our timing and scoring. And we can see where all the cars are. Yeah. And he came out, and he was no further behind than, yeah. and, than anybody else. And I'm like, well, that could be used. And so, uh, DJ, one thing I, w- I really want to ask you is that, you know, when you and I race, the only thing I can compare Turn 1 to is the last corner in Sonoma. But we had all gotten spread out by the time we got to you know that last corner what what is the fix and should it be fixed
7: you know i I was in my car a few minutes ago and i heard justin marks talking uh on sirius xm And, and he said something that made it made me think that i hadn't even thought about this but think about Uh, A lot of the turn ones that we have, and this being one of them, where it's really wide and the opportunity. Watkins Land is another that we have the opportunity for these drivers to spread out, make a dive bomb, dive bomb move in there, uh, be three, four wide, and and these type of things happen. It's like that entrance to these corners has to be narrowed down to where there's, there's, not that opportunity for that many cars to to get in that position. That's As long as you're going to have it, these drivers are going to take advantage of that and and put themselves in the situation. Hopefully they can bounce off of someone else uh, or someone in front of them uh, gets turned or moved out of the way and they can take advantage of this. I, I honestly had thought about that last night as I was going back to the hotel. I couldn't come up with any scenario, but hearing Justin Marks talk about that, it made me think that somehow that has to be narrowed down to where that many cars can't get to that same spot that quickly.
3: Hey, what would you think about, and I, you know, just, we were floating some ideas this afternoon, just, you know, thinking about other forms of racing. And what if you had like an alternate start line? Like we actually started the race, like going in, going into a different corner. You started the race and, and yeah. start finish line always has to be on the yard of bricks, right? I mean, you can't yes, not sure. finish a race on the yard of bricks, but, would a would an alternate start line work? Uh, it certainly
7: would. I, I mean, you know, if you if you start the race back over at, at another point, uh, you know, and I'm just going to say turn 11 or turn 12, that that's where the race gets started. Uh, you don't have as much of a problem of things and, and guys start getting separated out a little bit more if you started back that far uh, to, to where you don't have the same scenario. So I like that idea. You know, a lot of times we used to use uh, at Watkins Lynn, the pace car would get out of the way or or we would know that's when we're coming to one to go. So just start the race back there and you would alleviate a, a good portion of this problem, I believe. So that that's another great idea. Something has to be done because we can't continue – just to put these drivers in this situation and everybody getting mad at, at, at each other uh, over one corner here. And, and again, in a few weeks, we're gonna have the same scenario at Watkins Plan.
5: With respect to my esteemed colleagues, as the <laughs> Indiana native, I am a Hoosier. Uh, and I can tell you that there is no way in the world that they are going to put the start of the race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, anywhere else other than the yard of bricks. So I understand what you guys are saying. Um, I don't think that's going to happen for tradition. But let me ask you this, Dale, and even for you, Jeff. I think there's become a lot of conversation about how overaggressive drivers are, and obviously understanding this this wide straightaway into this narrow corner, but. Is it, is it more of a symptom? Is there a bigger problem in the sport of this over-aggressiveness? These cars are like tanks. You know, the contact. We're not cutting tires like the, the previous cars, so you can beat and bang a little bit more and maybe not pay the penalty. So are things getting out of hand with these drivers at this point as we move for, further into the season? Mm, great. I, I'm
7: not going to say they're not out of hand. But I'm going to say that I, I agree that it's very, very aggressive, but, but the problem lies in more – I'm not going to put this on the drivers. The, the drivers are going to do what they have to do to try to make their way there. So the car being able to take – the body being able to take a little bit more uh, of, of these contacts without getting a tire cut, certainly that comes into the driver's mind. They understand that. Um, but I, I think that the other thing is they understand that these restarts are the time that, that they can really make – uh, things happen and it's critical that they get themselves as as many spots as they possibly can right there. So you can't fault the drivers in this scenario where it it was a, a day that was difficult to to make passes. And so they're trying to get everything they possibly can. And that just happened to be in the first c- couple of corners, especially turn one there. So I, I don't know that we have a solution that, you know, we can't tell the drivers, okay, don't be aggressive there. You just have to separate them in some possible way. And um you don't want to put them in a single-file restart type deal. Um, we used to do that, Jeff. I believe uh, that we had a single-file restart. And
3: so we don't want to go good. back to that. We, I,
1: do not, we do not want to go back to
3: that. I her on the inside line a lot. That was a guy I lapped down back <laughs> <Yeah>, then. <exactly. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, and I, I think I, I agree with DJ. The problem is that if you're not aggressive, then you get run over. And really, you get to the point, and this is how I got at Sonoma. I knew I was going to get wrecked. And so i might as well wreck somebody else because it all the problem is it all it almost becomes acceptable because and Br- bristol used to be like that bristol's the only racetrack in the world where two guys collide a guy wrecks another guy and again i the well that's bristol i mean you know well no it's not you wrecked me and 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 sonoma got like that and now we've seen it at indy and and the fix is not unfortunately the fix isn't in the driver you can't have a gentleman's agreement you know hell, we couldn't have a gentleman's agreement coming to the caution. We sure can't have one coming to the green. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, it, the, the track design, I think, is where, is where it has to go. Track design, and but you can't have a rule mm-hmm. about how wide. I mean, you know, you just got to have a track design that's friendly. DJ, I don't want to let you go without talking
1: about such a special moment this weekend. All the winners at Indianapolis gathering at the start-finish line, the photo that you were able to take. I mean, what a special moment. Now, you don't keep a lot of photos, but I have a feeling this one you're going to keep.
7: Yeah, for 100%. It, it was one of the coolest, most humbling moments that I've ever had in my professional career. Uh, just to, I, I took a minute there when everybody finally got there. There were 22 uh, former winners of either the Indianapolis 500 or, or the Brickyard race uh, in NASCAR. And that, that was just a, an amazing group of people. And I really, I'm getting chills right now, but I literally mm. had chills. The entire time we were there and then I asked Mario Andretti if he would kiss the bricks with me and he said absolutely I really didn't know if he would but he said you know I didn't get to do that and he said it was a great tradition that that got started because of your win in 96 so you know just a very humbling moment to to have all of that that group there represented 44 wins at indianapolis wow. motor speedway so uh just incredible it was great to see you know people like ricky rudd we don't see him around the racetrack that much and he came up for that photo, uh, Jeff Gordon there, just just an incredible time, and to see the the guys that have won the Indianapolis 500, and then to have Mr. Mr. Penske there, who I, Marty, you know probably I don't know the number, I know it's high up in the teens of car uh, number 16. of times he's yeah. one. Yeah, so yes, just just
1: an amazing time and, and opportunity for me. Got a few Borg-Warner trophies, no doubt about it. So uh, we need to retake that picture next year because we have to add Tyler Reddick to it now, DJ. So make sure sure we'll schedule that. So, all right, buddy, good catching up with you. We'll see you soon, okay? Speaking of Tyler Reddick, he's here. He'll join us when we come back from break here on NASCAR America Motor Mouse. What's up, Reddick? Richard Childress Racing, win number two, back-to-back road course wins, and what a way to celebrate, too. Indianapolis on the Yard of Bricks. I know there was a fence climb involved, I didn't see that part, I must have left. Bo coming up, giving the hug to Daddy. And then Tyler, I believe you said we did it. Turning to the fans there, we welcome in Tyler Reddick to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Uh, I know the moment with the family was special, but. How was the kissing of the bricks? That looked like it was a lot of fun. That's the dirtiest but best kiss you'll ever have.
4: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really, really great. Um, I, I never really thought of what kissing the bricks was going to be like before I did it, um, but but I mean it was a hot day. The track was still really warm, um, but it was sweet. That that taste is always going to be in my memory bank for sure for the rest of my life.
3: <laughs> well, first. Special shirt,
4: man. You, yeah, you got it going on with your shirt. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, but A plus. Very yeah.
3: nice. Very nice.
4: <laughs> what is it? Uh, we got we got bomb pops all over this shirt. Um, Alexa got it for me. I, I think one of the characters in, in one of the Medea movies. She likes watching all the Medea movies. But one of the characters had the shirt on, and she liked it a lot. She found it, and so she got it for me. So I was wearing that's it tonight because awesome. us and a lot of uh, the a team are getting together. I'm actually in Randall's cool. uh, house right now. I'm, in, I'm oh, on good. the third floor of his house um just up here uh hanging out for a little bit talking with you guys and we're gonna go downstairs and have fun and celebrate a little bit more
1: by the way jeff asked about it because he has one and he's gonna wear it tomorrow <laughs> on the
3: show so yeah
1: i was oh, afraid really? took mine yeah I, sorry
4: <laughs> sorry man uh we should have coordinated on that my <laughs> yeah. apologies
3: yeah hey so so uh two road course wins this year what have you done to become such a good road racer
4: i i wish uh I, I wish I had some ridiculous story, but um, it's been pretty simple for me. Um, just a lot of hard work. I mean, I don't know, 16 hours of, of work a week in, in the off season when we really made that big leap probably does sound a bit ridiculous, but that's how far that myself and my team were willing to go to, to make it better. Um, getting to go run some other, other vehicles and, and do some other road course racing as well has been been key working with guys like josh wise and and scott speed who has an incredible amount of of driving talent and has spent a lot of time racing you know rally cross formula one all these different things got a lot of great people around me that help outside of my team as well so just just really simply put the work in i i didn't grow up racing on road courses or on asphalt so i just didn't know much about it or really even how to approach it so once once the, the snowball started to go down down the hill, um, it started to just click and click more and more. And I was really fascinated by how much um, I was able to learn and how much I had to learn with road course racing and just really embrace the whole process. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I almost look more forward to the road courses than any other track we go to now. Hmm, cool. Tyler, can you, can you take us
5: through, uh, take us into the racer's mind on that last lap? And I think from particularly turn four, or the next last lap, turn four, when Ross Chastain suddenly appeared next to you, all the way to through thirteen, where you, you finally made the pass. And again, you've talked about you didn't you don't know if he's under penalty if you're racing him. You've got Sendrick coming up. You've got a line up for certain corners. Can you give us a sense of what everything that you're seeing, hearing, and, and kind of going through from turn four to th- through turn thirteen?
4: Well, it was uh, really caught me off guard, um, but but certainly I will say Ross didn't have a shot of making it to th- turn one. I mean, they all, they were all crashed, so I don't blame him for making that m- making that attempt, but um, it, it almost weren't anything. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I, I knew at some point someone was going to try it. Of course, it was on the final restart and where it did, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't know if they were going to penalize him or not. I mean, in my opinion, truthfully, I don't know, the way I understand the rule is if you I mean, he didn't have an option of making it through turn one. There was no way. The way I understood it, you take the access road. So in my mind, I don't think he really did anything wrong. He was just taking advantage of the circumstances. Um, It almost really worked out in in his favor. I didn't know if I was going to have to battle him or not. And I kind of looked at it as like, I need to get back by you if I am battling you. And if I'm not, I need to get by you. So, uh, you know, I don't let Austin Sindrick close in and have an opportunity to.
1: So I know that was the first time that you and Richard had really chatted since the 23 and 11 news when you broke that to him before the official announcement to the world. What were his first words to you? And, and do you think a moment like this will kind of help maybe melt the ice as we talked about and maybe help you guys move forward in a in a together fashion and trying to race this year and next year?
4: Well, I mean, in my opinion, he, he's always believed that we're, we're capable of doing what we did at Indy. Um, certainly it's really special to do it at a place like that. He's now won five races at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, so for him, he's been able to do this a number of times, and uh, be back again with with this group, with this team in the Cup Series. It was a big deal for all of us, so more than anything, we're just doing exactly what, what he expects of us in our group. He knows that we've been clicking really good for you know the last year and a half, especially, so he wants to, the best out of all of us, and for us to go out there and, and get the win like we did, is just doing, we're doing our part. We're doing exactly what you know, he wants out of this team and and what his expectations are.
3: So Tyler, back to the the pass for the lead. I I was fascinated by your move, jumping on the outside of turn 12, extremely heavy breaking zone, a lot of right front lock up for a lot of people. And then you look like you lifted early, turned behind him, got alongside of him. Now you had the advantage into the next corner. How did you do that, man? Because I don't think I
4: would (laughs) have thought that through. Well, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't really planned. Um, To me, it seemed like Ross was checking up and going to go to the driver's right into 12 like he was going to let me go, like he had been told something. So that to me is like, okay, well, something's going on. He's leaving me the preferred lane. I felt like um, the braking zone getting into 12. I didn't realize it was a defensive move. Once we got into the brakes and going into turn twelve, I realized right away that he wasn't giving it. It was a purely a defensive move, which was a smart one on his behalf. Um, and then right before we did we did cross over, I thought he was just gonna completely miss the corner. I was like, uh oh, like I have to get stopped, or we're both gonna be going into the, the motorcycle loop or whatever they call that extra extra set of corners they have there behind turns twelve, uh, between twelve and thirteen. So it just kinda happened from that point on. You know, I kind of got to his outside. From that point, I was determined to be past his front tires in turns 13. You know, I was putting myself at risk to get ran off, but he ran me really respectfully. Um, and then from that point on, I had preferred length through 14 and on the front straight away. I have one
1: more kissing bricks question, and I heard Alexa trying to talk Bo through the process, and he was like, we're going to do what? And then, <laughs> so then everybody goes down to kiss the bricks, and Bo stands there like, What are you guys doing like he didn't he didn't quite understand the whole process did he but a cool family moment
4: for you guys no i I definitely in the shots that i saw on the broadcast it looked like he never took an opportunity to kiss the bricks but i didn't realize how many times with with all the partners and all the different people we were getting in the photos i thought you were just kissing the bricks once and that was it i I felt like we kissed the bricks about 10 or 12 times so he eventually (laughs) As you can see here, he's thinking about it. The oh, that's get, an awesome moment. Uh, the, the further on we get, he, he, he kissed the bricks a few times, so that was really cool. All right, uh, you and your Bomb Pop shirt have a great time at Randall and the Party, and you guys enjoy it. We'll see you in Michigan, okay? I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time in Michigan. i excited to have guaranteed rate back on the car. We've been winning with 3G. But we've had a lot of speed with guaranteed rates, so it's time for me to deliver for our other partners, too.
1: There you go. Tyler Reddick, winner in Indianapolis, joining us here. When we come back, we'll chat with a young driver coming off his career best finish, a third place for Harrison Martin. Look at that Indy ring for,
4: for Tyler Harrison. Is. Here it is. <laughs>
1: On uh, Motor Motormouse on Wednesday, Corey LaJoy
3: hanging out. How about that? You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Look at Monster Jams. That's always fun. Xfinity Series in Michigan. IndyCar at Nashville. That was a party last oh my year. Gosh, I'm sure it will yes. be this year too. Fun
1: party. Maybe uh Marcus Erickson will launch off another car this year <laughs> and find his way to Victory Lane. All the NASCAR action on USA all weekend long. Xfinity on Saturday, cup on Sunday. Time for speed dial. So The point here, ask your question as quickly as you can. We'll get to as many calls as we can. And when I said the lines are packed, I'm not kidding. They're all packed. So uh, we'll start with Josh in Virginia. What's on your mind, Josh?
6: Hey, Marty. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Dustin. Good afternoon, guys. All right.
4: So first off, congratulations. Jeff on Harrison's fourth place or uh, top five finish yesterday. Um, A question for you guys. It seems like there's a total lack of respect that drivers have for each other maybe over the last two to three seasons. I have a theory about that. I'm wondering if you guys think that there's a lack of accountability by other older drivers in some of these lower series, like the truck series and Xfinity series. You don't have guys like Ron Hornaday, um, Skinner, uh, Cup drivers running in Xfinity. And a lot of these guys are used to racing online. Yesterday, watching guys dive off into Turn 1, Joey Logano going in like a straight, you know, yeah. no chance of making yeah, that. Josh, yeah, Josh, yeah. So,
1: is there a lack of respect, what, what happened Jeff?
3: With Let's that? So, so, yeah, Josh, yeah. I think, listen, I, you got, a, you have a great point. I think that we do miss some older guys in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. You know, when I grew up, I raced against Jack Ingram. If you did that to him, you would get an ass with him. That's just how it was. <laughs> and and uh, there is some uh, of that that we miss. Uh, at the, on the other token, like, what do you, you know, I don't know what the driver's supposed to do, right? If you're not aggressive, you get run over. If you are aggressive, you run over somebody else. And Mike, my, my, I believe that we need, I agree, I think we need to do a little bit of track redesign at, at, at Indy, that's my opinion. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a complete lack of respect shown yesterday, I said that on the broadcast, but I think the only way to fix that is to try to do a track, a track redesign because if you don't attack in there, you're gonna be in trouble. All right, Melissa in Florida, what's your question quickly?
6: Yes, did they ever find out what happened, Kyle Larson's car, what caused him to uh, run over the other car?
5: Yeah, Melissa, uh, thanks for the question. Good question. I I was in touch with the the Hendrick Motorsports team this afternoon, and team spokesperson told me it was not a brake issue, and that according to uh, crew chief Cliff Daniels, uh, Kyle Larson just went into the corner, into the braking zone too deep, and got himself in trouble and couldn't get out and, and it was just more driver error uh as opposed to a mechanical issue
1: all right roger in west virginia what's your question
6: did anyone other than ross chastain and austin Dillon get a 30-second penalty because there were other cars that took that loop during the race
1: great question yes there
3: were nobody got penalized but yes there were other cars chef that did it there were other cars that did it and and Remember, you're not going to be penalized, if, if they, the reason they were penalized is because of how they used it, right? The determination was that they, did, they didn't have to use it and they chose to use it. It wasn't being used as a, oh my God, it's the only way I can avoid a wreck. The, you could use it. It wasn't against the rule to use it, it's just and that was determined that they didn't use it correctly.
1: And in West Virginia, what's your question?
6: Hi, Jeff. Listen, you, I disagree with you about him using the access road. Ross Chastain, if he thought he was going to wreck, why didn't he back out of the gas? Maybe NASCAR needs to use that as below the yellow line like they do in other races where you can't advance your position if you use that. What do you think?
3: Yeah, what they need to do is make it so if you have to use it, it's slower to go through. He shouldn't have been able to use it and come out with the lead. It should be a penalty to have to use it. He shouldn't have been able to come through there and then end up in front of Tyler Reddick. It should take, you know, five, seven more seconds to use that access road, and that would have fixed the problem. I think there might have been
1: some intent there. I think you saw Denny Hamlin do it earlier and he said, I, I, I'm going to try that, and I'm going to force NASCAR to make a call on this.
5: One team told me after the race, as part of their pre-race uh, planning, they looked at that and if it was if it was better to go through the escape route as quickly as possible and gain ground, and that that was part of their planning into looking at doing that.
1: There you go. See, so you didn't find the Denny Hamlin, and there it is, right there. Uh, he uh, he
3: Steve the Lissart, under caution. <laughs> he, well, we,
1: he said, were on, we were, yeah, we're under break. caution. We were in break, and Steve goes, then he just did this, and, and I think other teams are going to try it. Exactly. And then he said it on the air and kind of first guessed what was going to happen. Uh, Craig, are you really calling us from Hawaii? Is that real? And what's your question? Yes,
6: sir. Aloha. Love it. All right. Yeah. What's your question? I, I'd sure like to know um, when the racing etiquette has has fallen apart. Um, back in the day, people used to hate each other and never run into each other as much as this. Oh, and I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you on that. These guys, these guys, I, I, I don't.
3: Man, I'm sorry. I'm these, on, guys I, are, no. these guys are professionals. Don't they have no, to have some kind man. of. Man, I, I hear what you're saying. Policing? I hear what you're saying, but I want to tell you, Sonoma, the, the thing, same thing happened in Sonoma for years. I got so mad, so frustrated, hated to go to Sonoma. You can go back and look at me. I said, it's an embarrassment. I said the same things these guys are saying 20 years ago. And so, yeah, I don't know how much has changed, to be honest. Mike in Arkansas,
1: what's your question?
6: Yeah, back to this turn one runoff, uh, obviously
7: everybody knew that was an option and people were going to try it. Don't you think it was NASCAR's responsibility
5: to add like a stop and go? Could that take care of everything? I, I think that's going to be done next year or something will be done <laughs> to, to slow it down. I don't think that's going to be a problem again, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a little surprising something wasn't done in this case, but uh, sometimes teams come up with things and and uh, come up with different ideas uh, a little bit ahead of NASCAR.
1: I mean, because if you look at it, Ross goes in there, kind of makes a move to turn one, and then he just goes Guns it. flat on the gas. Yeah, I, I.
3: <laughs> and they can look at SMT data and really see well, what happened. So, he look, he went in there predetermined he didn't think he was going to come out. Rightfully so. Every bit of evidence said he wasn't going to come out of there. Remember, when he drives in there, he can't see what's happening on the bottom. When he looks to his right, he can only see the car next to him. He doesn't know they're four wide. So, you know, I've been in that situation. You know going in there, you're probably going to get wrecked. Drivers position themselves. So if they do get wrecked, they think they're going to be minimum. I mean, that's the mindset into turn one. So, yeah, I I think Ross took every opportunity to just see what would happen. And and why not? What did he have to lose? Make NASCAR
1: make the call. Let's grab one more phone call before we get to Harrison Burton. Zach in Michigan. What's your question, Zach?
6: Hey, guys. I'm just calling to see what you think about Kyle Busch being a lot more talkative during Indy race weekend, and if you think that means maybe behind the scenes he's getting closer to a deal with Joe Gibbs or some other team?
5: Well, I'll tell you a really good question. It's, it's fascinating what you hear in the garage, because I've I, I heard some people say, hey, you know, it's not going to get done. To Others saying it's going to get done at the last second. To Some saying, well, it's going to get done just sooner than later. I mean, it's everybody's guessing, everybody's trying to figure out. There's a lot of different directions. Obviously, Kyle's talked about talking to other teams. He did talk to us, the media, this this past week in Indianapolis saying, he, you know, he's willing to take less money even for a two-time cup champion and, and being undervalued in the market. There's looking at different options. I talked to David Wilson of a Toyota last week in Chicago, and he says they're working in contingency plans, uh, even looking at maybe a potential bridge deal. So maybe that's like a one-year deal to kind of help Joe Gibbs Racing have more time to find sponsorship, and then next year do a, a whole new deal, and it gives Kyle the money that he so rightfully deserves.
1: There you go. So, a lot to unpack there. As I said to Junior in the pre-rest show, TikTok, it's August 1st. They need to get something done <laughs> if they're going to get it done, time run out, that a two-time champion is still a free agent at this point. When we come back, now we'll talk to Harrison Burton off his career best finish. There he is, third place in Indy next week. We'll talk to Harrison next. I thought it was cool that three rookies finished in the top 5. Career best finish for Harrison Burton in 3rd, Tyler Gillen in 4th and Austin Cindric finishing in 2nd. I thought that was a cool moment for these young guys.
5: And and, and you know what? The last time it had been done where three rookies in the uh, in the top 5 in a race was uh, Pocono July 1994
3: with this guy ah, and his mother. So so the Burtons know how to to uh, get these top fives. We did it three times that year. Yeah? No, I'm just trying to it. <laughs> oh,
1: say you got 14 man, races to get it done. Harrison, I know exactly. Congratulations on the awesome finish. Harrison Burton joining us here. So what was your view of that final restart?
8: Yeah, my view was pretty limited. Um, I had a car in front of me and beside me and behind me and we were all kind of hitting each other. There wasn't a lot of choice there. It was kind of just go where there wasn't people around and, uh, You know, luckily for me, I got the the Dex Imaging Mustang through there in in one piece, and uh, man, it was crazy. I I was sideways and got hit from behind and hit my team, you know, my alliance partner up there, Austin Sendrick, and uh, it was pretty chaotic. So I was really happy to squeeze through there, uh, as you see there, and and get out of there in in a good spot. Um, It was weird going into those restarts. Uh, the only thing that I was thinking about as a driver is trying to be defensive and put myself in a spot where even if I did get hit, I wouldn't necessarily go off the racetrack or, or whatnot. So, uh, lots of chaos going on for sure. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully the fans enjoyed it at home. It was a, it was a wild ride for my seat. That's for sure. Obviously things are happening in split second, but you
5: know, we see you were on the outside when Harrison Bert, I mean, when, uh, I'm sorry, Ryan Blaney spins. What was your view of that and then right after that you have the contact uh, I think you and Todd Gilland just kind of hit, hit hit side and kind of slowed you a little bit but just take us through just that small segment because obviously a lot going on there.
8: Yeah, once we kind of got in the corner and I was beside Ryan um, really the visibility is to a point where I could really not see him uh, or see where what caused him to spin. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know that he had spun until after the race. Um, So when I was side by side with him and he spun, I really didn't know how lucky I was to get through with that. Um, and then with me and Todd hitting each other, I don't think we knew that we were even beside each other. Things are happening (laughs) so fast. Um, you know, you're more worried about just trying to save the race car because at that point I was sideways and, and had a handful of wheel and, uh, it doesn't look as crazy as it is, uh, you know, inside the car. It doesn't look that crazy on TV, honestly. Uh, you know it, it was wild how out of control it felt and then when i watched the replay i was like oh man i look like i'm going pretty straight so um yeah that was that was pretty wild for sure yeah i want to ask you about
1: spinning earlier in the race at that moment where you're thinking there's no way we can do this and i i'm i'm sure of all the places you thought man my first top five is going to come at a road course i don't think that was probably top of the list was it
8: yeah, I mean, uh, obviously made a mistake there and, and spun out, locked up the rear tires trying to make a pass. Um, it's just kind of a, a tough corner, and, and really lucky that these cars are durable enough that could can kind of do that and keep going. I uh, hate it, spun Custer out. Um, you know, that's, a, that's always awkward, right? Normally when you hit somebody, it's with your front bumper. Uh, I actually hit him with my rear bumper, so that's something new. I, I've uh, never done that before, and, and uh, you know, obviously, didn't hated that happened to him. But uh, yeah, once, you know, I kind of got going again, I thought our day was ruined. It was so hard to pass. Uh, and then after some good pick calls, we got new tires and started passing through the field and put ourselves in good position for the last few restarts where uh, we made a lot of games. That's for sure. You
5: know, obviously, as, as mentioned earlier, three rookies in the top five with with you, Austin and Todd. But, you know, with you and Todd, you guys have grown up together, raced together, and, and, and to, to get your first top five, at the same time with Todd and also with, with Austin, but to get it with, with Todd, what does that mean to be able to, to have that moment, share that moment with Todd uh, yesterday?
8: Yeah, it was really cool. Um, you know, me and Todd are obviously really, really tight uh, and good buddies, and, and me and Austin went to high school together, so uh, pretty cool to, to have those guys as, you know, my fellow fellow rookies this year, and, and we always kind of look out for each other, which is neat. Uh, you know that's those are the guys that I sit on the driver intro stage I talk to those guys cuz we're all in this young guy deal together um and it's it's fun that way so uh meant a lot for me to to you know finish well and do it with those guys is is really cool um you know and and to get my name with another I guess record that my dad and uncle did uh <laughs> like you said earlier was was pretty cool so I thought I'd have some bragging rights on him. But every time I do something, he's already done it. So that's always a bummer. Yeah, you'll find that in life. He's already one up to you. You just don't know
1: it
3: yet. So um, let's grab a
1: couple phone calls from uh, some guys here. Some folks here. Let's go to Chandler in Indiana to chat with Harrison Burton. Go ahead Chandler.
6: Thanks, Marty. Harrison, congratulations on your third place finish, man. Totally incredible job. You know, I've always loved, you know, watching you race with Kalbush Motorsports and racing with Joe Gibbs racing the Xfinity Series. So, Harrison, you know, with that third-place finish at Indianapolis and now the next road course we're going to is Watkins Glen, do you think that going to road courses is your next favorite thing, and could you potentially
8: get your first career win on a road course? Yeah, I mean, I've certainly went into the season knowing I had to get better at road course racing. That's been my number one kind of concern, honestly, is is going into the Cup Series and having these next-gen cars that are – uh really new on the road course and trying to work with that and, and get better and better and uh you know my dad knows we i've spent a lot of time thinking about how to get better you know at every racetrack but road courses in particular they're beginning to be more and more important every weekend and so uh i didn't expect to get my first top five at a road course uh but now that we did it's you know got me looking forward to the next one that's for sure it's a uh a definite really cool thing to have that happen there and an Indy and all that um you know, but I want to be a guy that can do it anywhere. So, uh, try and get, get the next one this weekend in Michigan, right? That's the, that's the first goal and, and, uh, really take it one week at a time and understand that this, you know, result is, is a step along the path, that there's going to be many more ups and downs and, uh, keep our heads down and keep digging through that.
1: Speaking of Michigan, I think Marvin has a question about the race this weekend. Marvin, go ahead. You're on with Harrison Burton.
6: Well, handsome Harrison, let me be the first to say congratulations on a third-place finish at Indy, buddy.
8: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it.
6: So, Harrison, on to Michigan. We're heading to the Irish Hills, and my question for you is, after that awesome third-place finish, what are you going to do for an encore? Are you going to try and steal that win in the home of the Ford Motor Company this weekend?
8: Uh, that'd be a great place to do it right in ford's backyard that's for sure um you know the the wood brothers have a lot of uh really cool stories um and are pretty tight with the ford family and and so that would be a really neat weekend uh but really any weekend would be awesome so i'm I'm not gonna pick or choose uh at the end of the day we just have to go there and unload with speed and and be aggressive as a driver uh try and build off of this there's been weekends where we've run well um and didn't finish well and and then this weekend i felt like we had a really up and down day and found a way to finish well so um you know at the end of the day uh, i don't think a result here is gonna say hey this is a guarantee we're gonna finish top five every single weekend from here on out but also uh it shows that we can do it and it shows that if we keep digging and keep working hard it'll happen so uh hey at the end of the day <laughs> i'm not gonna be picky where it happens as, as long as it does happen one day that's all i care about
3: I love the nickname. Now Harrison has a nickname. Oh, really? Marvin Gaving handsome Harrison.
8: Oh, very well. <laughs> yeah, I'm related to you, so it must not be true. Oh, wow.
1: Harrison. I was We're uh, on television, <laughs> dude. Come on. I was
8: going to say the last I'm just handsome. going to step
3: away, now. The last yeah. handsome was Harry Gantt. <laughs> if you could have a career as good as his, you'd be
8: okay. See, he was going to compliment oh, you. Yeah, you but he was going to say something nice. Well, so I figured. Knowing my dad, it was going to go to the other direction, so I had to jump yeah. on it quick and fire one back at him because I thought he was setting himself I know him pretty well. Yeah. thought he was setting himself up to take a shot at me there, so I had to get defensive really quick. Just I didn't mem- spin
3: and turn one this week. That's all I
1: know. Oh, wow. Just remember, Man. dad's always have the final word, Harrison. That's
8: true. Cut right? him off. He's cut him off. <laughs> cut him off, producer. Hey, he's, he's a dangerous guy in that NBC car right here. So Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Anyone riding with him, strap tight. I broke
3: it last week. <laughs> yeah, not not a good story there. So, all right,
1: Harrison, good seeing you, man. We'll see you in Michigan,
8: okay? Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on, and hopefully we'll talk about some more good finishes soon.
1: Uh, yeah, we will, no doubt about it. All right, good seeing you, bud. So, uh, I, there's a, so much chaos to unpack, and we, we have another show Wednesday. That's where <laughs> we can goodness. start unpacking <laughs> We didn't even talk about the Ryan Blaney spend at the end. We didn't even talk to DJ about Daniel Suarez being mad at him. You see that? I mean, Daniel called DJ out. That
3: you was, know what I loved about today, though? We got a lot of callers. We had, had a lot of callers. And the lines and were jammed. You know and that we owe you guys awesome.
1: a, a big credit for that, for calling in at 844 NASCAR NBC. Sorry for the couple of phone calls we didn't get to. We didn't talk about Chris Buescher's car catching on fire, going down two laps, and then coming back finishing top yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah. That Great. was insane.
5: Yeah, it was just incredible. Joey Logano's car also caught fire, and they felt like it was uh, an issue. with Same thing with Chris Buescher with the uh, – the 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 headers getting bent up in contact and blowing onto the carbon carbon doors and something that they need to look at something that hasn't happened before so that's something for NASCAR and the teams to look at.
1: But we did talk a lot about Ross Chastain and I have a feeling that's going to be a topic that's not going to go away between now and when we get to Michigan. We're going to see that replay quite a bit, aren't we? Phoenix, actually, for now. Yeah, Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh yeah, my fault. Yeah, <laughs> Michigan, Phoenix, whatever. Yeah, we we'll see it till the November race, right? So we'll see you here on Wednesday on Motor Mouse, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Sorry, 6 p.m.
3: Six. Six.